This program is brought to you by Suffolk University. Please visit us on the web at www.suffolk.edu. My name is Charles Kindrigan, and I am a professor of family law here at Suffolk University Law School. And I have taught family law-related subjects for 45 years. The article which has just been published in the Journal of Health and Biomedical Law and I've titled it Genetically Related Children, the Harvesting of Gametes from Deceased or Incompetent Persons or Persons Who Have Not Formally Consented to the Use of Their Gametes. This probably, I am sure, is a subject that some people will take offense at, but, you know, we lawyers have to deal with issues that people have in their lives even if some people might be offended by them, we can't ignore them because they become part of litigation. Courts and lawyers have to address them. And when we start talking, for example, about dead people having children after their death, you realize that this could create many legal complications in terms of the status of the afterborn child, particularly if the child is born, uh, conceived and born, actually many, many years after a person's death, or many months anyway. It can affect distribution of property and uh, other areas. For example, when a person in his will or her will has said, I leave to my children, X, who are the children? Do would they include just those children who were in existence when the person wrote the will? So there are many, many legal complications that deal with real-life problems that people have, even if we are talking about the subject of children after death or children conceived using the gametes of an incompetent person or one who has not consented. And in this article, I have drawn seven examples. These are all real-life examples. I won't talk about all of them now, but I'll give you some examples of some of these issues. One of them is the question of whether or not these gametes, by which I mean sperm, eggs, or embryos, are property or not. Some might say they have human characteristics and therefore may be human, but from the point of view of the law, the question may often be, are they property? Because when you have property, the question is who controls the property? Who decides what's done with the property? For example, a married man is brought to a hospital emergency room. This has happened many times. And is dying, or perhaps just died. And his wife appears at the hospital and says, we were going to have children, but we didn't yet. And she asks that his sperm be retrieved so that she can have a child. That's just one example. And the question is, does she have a right to have access to and control the disposition of property and by so doing impose a child on a now deceased or incompetent man who happens to be her husband? Another example is a parent appears at a hospital. This is an actual case in which I was involved as a legal commentator with a panel in the hospital, which involved a woman brought in. She collapsed on an airplane. She had brain injury, which was very serious and was not going to recover. 
she wasn't completely brain dead in a technical sense, but she had no competence to make decisions. Uh, and the question became when her parent, her mother showed up and said, I would like her eggs to be removed so that they can be used by another family member, probably a sister, for example, who was having fertility problems. Let's just say that that was the case. So the mother had a reason for this, and the mother also may have been anxious to have a genetically related child. If these eggs were not removed, that possibility may have disappeared. So the question becomes, can the hospital remove the eggs and use them or give them to the mother for use by a person of her choice? There was no written documentation of the woman's intent. Her estate planner and lawyer said she never talked about it. Her gynecologist said she never talked about having children or not having children except to the extent that she was currently using oral contraceptives. Now that of course complicated the case medically because you'd have to allow time for the contraceptions to flush from the system. And so this woman would have to be maintained on life support for some period of time, perhaps even months, and in order to have her eggs removed. Now the question there is did she consent beforehand? There was no evidence of it. Her husband said there was a reason that she was on contraceptives. We did not want to have a child at that point. Question then for us is legally, what can you do? And it seems to me that there was no precise law in this state or in most states actually on this subject, but that I had been involved in drafting a model act for the American Bar Association and one of the things that we put into that model act was the idea that you cannot use somebody's gametes without their consent even if they're now dead or incompetent because of the legal consequences of doing so and we recommended in that case that the eggs not be removed should not be kept alive just for the purpose of removing those eggs another example this is very common today it's actually the united states army has policies on it soldier about to be deployed into a combat zone deposits his sperm in a sperm bank and the question becomes who can use that sperm if he's married perhaps he has designated intent to have his wife use them if he's not married he may have expressed an intent for his girlfriend to use them so these are questions that are sometimes resolved given the efficiency of the army in many respects by having legal counsel in the army draft the necessary documents to express his intent. Another example may be, and this is another actual case that I was aware of, a young man, 13 years of age, is suffering from very severe cancer. He's asked to undergo chemotherapy and he's probably going to become unfertile because of the effects of the chemotherapy. His mother wants his sperm removed so it could be genetically preserved. The young man was opposed to that. He was frightened apparently by the physician's attempts to explain to him what would happen and that it would not be particularly a complex difficulty to retrieve his sperm, but he was very much concerned and 
So this is a difficult issue. You have a person who's incompetent by reason of minority. It's an issue that comes up a lot in various family law cases and tort cases and others. My suggestion to the physicians was that they try to determine the competence of the 13-year-old. I'm not talking about legal competence. I'm talking about mental competence, ability to make decisions. And that if that young man was sufficiently mature to make that judgment, then it ought to be his judgment, not that of his mother. That was based upon an old case that involved a Massachusetts abortion statute that went to the Supreme Court of the United States called Baird versus Bellotti. And in that case, the court said that the statute, which required parental consent for a minor to have an abortion, but allowed a what we call judicial bypass, where a judge would allow or make the decision for the minor based upon the competence of the minor to make that decision, even though she was a minor, or in the alternative, to allow the abortion if even she was incompetent, but it would be in her best interest. I'm not sure that that technically applies in an exact sense, but it seems to me that type of reasoning could be helpful in resolving these issues. And I have other examples I think may illustrate these problems for us. I will mention only one more, however, and that is the issue of a former girlfriend who is undergoing cancer therapy and she and her boyfriend decide that they are going to produce embryos for cryopreservation so that she can use them after her medical treatment is finished. I said a former girlfriend because by the time that her cancer treatment was done and she was capable still of carrying an embryo. By that time, she had become a former girlfriend, and the former boyfriend objected. He did not want to be a father. He withdrew his consent. This was a case that went all the way to the European Court of Human Rights. And in that case, the court said that the man does have the right to withdraw his consent. There is a case in the Supreme Court of Israel that was exactly the opposite. The court there reasoned that since the embryos were produced, that was his consent, and he can't withdraw it at a later point. This is an issue I think is going to come up again and again as more and more people resort to the use of assisted reproductive technology. The article has been posted electronically on the Social Science Network, the SSRN. This preceding program was brought to you by Suffolk University. Please visit us on the web at www.suffolk.edu.